Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 312 Abnormal Psychology with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hello. Welcome to Unit 5 in Psychology 312 Abnormal Psychology. And again, this is a summary of chapters 9 and 10. And I encourage you to refer to your textbook to have a more deeper understanding of these topics as you prepare for your quiz and do your assignments. Chapter 9, we're going to look at sexual disorders, gender dysphoria, and paraphilic disorders. So when we're talking about abnormal sexuality, we have to understand what is normal sexuality. And different cultures have different definitions of what is normal in their world. Um, and so, as it says here, approximately about 20% of individuals who have been surveyed engage in sex with numerous partners, which put them at risk for sexually transmitted diseases such as AIDS. And we talked about that in our previous unit. Now, when we're talking about disorders, um, about sexual functioning, we're talking about sexual dysfunctions and paraphilic disorders. Gender dysphoria is not uh, specifically talked as a sexual disorder in the DSM-5, but it's the sense where someone feels an incongruence between their biological sex and the sex and their gender that they identify with. And again, gender is really a culturally defined um, construct that uh, what is male and what is female can have consistencies across different cultures, but also different cultures define what it means to be male or female. Um, so in, we talk about sexual dysfunctions, we're referring to things, disorders where people have a difficulty to function adequately during sexual relations. And this can include hyposexual uh, desire in both males and females, uh, which interest in sexual relations is either extremely low or non-existent. Um, disorders of sexual arousal, which is erectile disorder, fem female sexual interest or arousal disorder, or achieving or maintaining uh, erection or uh, vaginal lubrication is problematic. Orgasmic disorders, uh, can occur both in males and females, where it uh, either comes too quickly or not at all. There's also referred to as sexual pain disorder, where uh, there's actually um, unbearable pain associated with sexual relationships. And, um, and so when you're understanding this, uh, you know, people who are involved in treating this usually are conducting interviews, uh, they can conduct a complete medical examination, and a psycho-physiological uh, assessment, trying to understand the psychology and the physiology. Um, sexual dysfunction is associated with socially transmitted negative ideas about sex, um, current relationship difficulties, and anxiety focused on sexual activity um, can lead to sexual dysfunction. 
in recent years, we've had different uh, prescriptions, medications that have been um, become available, uh, such as Viagra and those other similar drugs. And uh, there's actually been some work to uh, for females, such as uh, a treatment for hypoactive uh, sexual desire. Uh, but again, no research is being done on this topic. Paraphilic disorders is referring to a sexual attraction to inappropriate people, such as children, or inappropriate objects, such as an article of clothing. Um, it becomes a paraphilic disorder when the sexual attraction causes significant distress or impairment to the individuals or causes harm or risk of harm to others. And in this area, this is where, um, of course, there's actually certain laws that have become, that are uh, against this, which, you know, especially regarding with children. There's different types of paraphilic disorders, such as fetishes disorder, uh, which you feel um, in the context of something that's inappropriate, uh, objects or individuals, exhibitionist disorder, where someone gets sexual gratification by exposing their genitals to unsuspecting strangers, uh, voyeuristic disorder, which uh, sexual arousals by observing others in um, undressing or in, uh, naked. There's a transvestic disorder in which individuals are sexually aroused by wearing clothing of the opposite sex. Sexual sadism is when sexual arousal is associated by inflicting pain or humiliation on another. And the opposite side of that is sexual masochism, which sexual arousal is associated by experiencing, by experiencing pain or humiliation. Pedophilic disorder, in, um, where there's a strong desire, attraction toward children. Incest is a type of paraphilic disorder, which the individual is um, related, usually a son or a daughter. So, um, the development of these disorders is associated with deficiency in consensual adult sexual arousal, deficiencies in consensual adult social skills, and deviant sexual fantasies that may develop uh, before or during puberty. And the attempts of the person to suppress these thoughts are often associated with these arousal patterns. Um, Treatments of these disorders have really been moderately effective, especially if someone has been incarcerated uh, for this, uh, but somewhat more successful in less severe outpatients. So um, again, if, if, if it's resulted in incarceration, the treatment is not as effective. Gender dysphoria is this idea of this dissatisfaction with one's uh, biological sex and the sense that one really is the opposite gender, a woman trapped in a man's body or a man trapped in a woman's body. Um, people develop this sense of gender identity usually about 18 months. We start to understand what it means to be male, what it means to be female at about 18 months um, and to three years of age. And uh, so you see little boys, little girls, 
playing with toys that are associated with males and females, wearing clothes associated with males and females, um, you know, they, they start to show a preference toward those activities and objects associated with their gender. Um, if people have this sexual dysphoria um, or transsexualism, this may, some people seek out sexual reassignment surgery and uh, with sexual, with, excuse me, with psychological approaches and treatment as well. In chapter 10, we're looking at substance-related addictive and impulse control disorders. So in the DSM-5, substance-related and addictive disorders include problems with the use of depressants, such as alcohol, barbiturates, and benzodiazepines, stimulants, such as amphetamines, cocaine, nicotine, and caffeine, opiates, such as heroin, codeine, morphine, and hallucinogens, such as cannabis, uh, LSD, also uh, addictive behaviors such as gambling. Depressants are a group of drugs that decrease the central nervous system. So the primary effect is reduce our levels of physiological arousal and help us to relax. So this can include alcohol and uh, sedatives and hypnotic, uh, anxiolytic drugs to help with our anxiety and things that are applied, um, prescribed for insomnia. Stimulants are things that are more like psychoactive drugs, things that get us going. You know, the most commonly used is caffeine and get that in coffee, chocolate and soft drinks, nicotine. Uh, which we get through tobacco products, amphetamines, and cocaine. And um, so depressants calm us down. Stimulants give us energy and make us more alert, energetic. Opiates include opium, morphine, codeine, heroin. They have a narcotic effect, meaning they help relieve pain and induce sleep. And the broader term opioids is used to refer to the family of substances that include these opiates and synthetic variations created by chemists such as methadone. And um, similarly acting substances that occur naturally in our brains such as enkephalins and beta endorphins and uh, dynorphins. These are neurotransmitters that we normally have. If we hurt ourselves, our bodies uh, produce these opioid chemical, um, these, these chemicals to help us deal with pain. And so these, that's why when we take opioids, uh, painkillers, that's why we get so uh, addicted to them because it's something our body naturally has and naturally wants. And, but we get way too much of what we normally would. Cannabis, marijuana, is really the most routinely used illegal substance, regardless if it's uh, appropriate or legal in a state that you live in, which about 5 to 15% of people in Western countries reporting that they use it regularly. Um, there's, it can produce a wide variety of reactions in people. It can be a sense of well-being. It can these mood swings, but it can also produce paranoia. Um, so different people can react differently to cannabis.
Hallucinogens are change the way we perceive the world. Sights, sounds, feelings, and even smells are distorted. So it doesn't mean that we smell things or see things better. It's the parts of our brain are activated that we store memories of visions and you know of images and sights and sounds and smells. These things are activated when we take a hallucinogen. And, these, and our brains are really talking to themselves, different parts, and they're not getting the stimulus, they're creating it within our brain. And this can happen under the influence of cannabis uh, and LSD. Other drugs that have been abused is uh, inhalants. And um, this is often used in, um, in poor countries because it typically can be found on a store counter and you spray it in a bag and you can sniff the, um, uh, the propellant and uh, you can, you know, usually see dizziness or slurred speech or euphoria, lethargy. Um, it's, um, I've seen this third world countries with uh, street children using this. Steroid use is different than other types of drugs because it doesn't give us a high or relaxes, but it helps with performance, and uh, so it helps with body size, it builds muscles. Um, sometimes what we refer to as designer drugs uh, heighten a person's auditory or visual perception, um, meaning sense of taste and touch. And these are drugs such as Molly, MDMA, that it can be used for ecstasy, that are used at parties or raves or other things where um, Sights and sounds get to be more intense. And we call them designer drugs because chemists have manipulated the, the chemical structure in order to uh, produce these effects. So, um, so psychotropic drugs, things that you know, affect us in our, our mind, seem to produce positive effects by acting directly or indirectly with our dopaminergic or muscle limbic system. And this is the pleasure pathway. And so when we take a drug for the first time, we usually have this very intense reaction. And such as, um, and that can be influenced by your expectation, what you think you're going to get. Um, it can be, or maybe the stress you're under. Um, and maybe some biological components which cause you to react uh, differently to that drug than maybe someone else. But um, addiction is really when that desire to get that first reaction, that first hit from that drug and, um, and seeking that out. So substance dependence is, um, is when you are dependent upon a drug in order to, uh, to feel that you need what you need to get through your day. And, but it uh, becomes really the focus of your life. Getting that drug is your number one goal. And depending on what drug it is, it's uh, how often you have to take it, that becomes your focus. You know, in whatever means you have to do in your mind to, to get that. So um, substance dependence is, is hard to treat. Um, and it's uh, very common for people who have been treated for substance dependence to have relapses. It's um, unlikely that the first 
experience they have with um, treatment or uh, rehab or whatever is, is going to last is usually re, um, relapsed involvement. So, um, so the best way is to prevent someone from taking the drug in the first place. Uh, it's easier to prevent people from taking drugs rather than treating them after they become dependent on drugs. Gambling disorder is, they display the same types of cravings and dependence of people who have substance related disorders, meaning that those neurotransmitters, that brain activity that someone may have taking a drug shows up when someone is addicted to gambling. So, um, you know, some of the treatments that are dealt with for substance abuse are often used for gambling as well. Impulse control disorders are um, separated into three different types. Intermittent explosive disorder is when a person acts aggressively or have aggressive impulses that result in serious assaults or destruction of property. Kleptomania, it's uh, the failure to resist the urge to steal things. Um, They're not things that you really need. It's not because you're hungry or, or anything like that. It's just you that thrill of the thrill of trying to take something um, and pyromania is having is irresistible urge to set fires so that ends our unit and i'll see you in unit six